We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, and especially if you're visiting with us today, we are so glad that you are here with us to worship the Lord together uh, today on Christ the King Sunday and also Thanksgiving Sunday. It's the end of the church year, so we celebrate Christ as King over all, and because we're in the USA, we also celebrate Thanksgiving Sunday, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Uh, one of our uh, old time, long time, not old time, members is visiting today Brownie's daughter, Margaret Boyd, and her husband, Alan. Where are you? Will you wave at us? Brownie St. Clair's daughter. We're so glad that you're here, Margaret. Glad you could be here today with us. If you'll take your announcement sheet that's in the bulletin, you'll see some things that are going on today and this week. There is a silent auction. We found all sorts of amazing things in the blue house. And we don't want them anymore, but maybe you do. So there's a silent auction for them that's going on in Tankersley Hall this morning. There are some wonderful things I'm sure you want for your house over there. And we're not going to hang on to them very much longer, so you've got to move fast on that. There is an adult education at 10 o'clock this morning. Gary and Lori Cowman are going to be talking about their ministry in Kenya and about eradicating Bible poverty. They will be speaking at 10 o'clock over in the parlor, and you're all welcome. This evening, there's an interfaith Thanksgiving service at the Neighborhood Congregational Church. Uh, Jerry and Beth will both be participating in that. Yes? No? You look surprised. Are you? I don't know. Am I? I Somebody, somebody's going to be there, and there, somebody's going to be in it. Uh, uh, really? Are you? Aren't, are, uh, no. Jerry is going to be there. So you're welcome to be there. A number of people from the community will be there. And you'll see that we are getting ready for hospitality night, which is always the first Friday in December. All of downtown Laguna Beach, uh, Laguna Beach celebrates the Christmas season. There are some ways that you can participate in that, including donating cookies, because we are the place where everyone comes for a free cookie and hot cider. Also, our third Friday group is, going to, is already signing up for their Christmas dinner party and music party because it's actually going to be the second Friday in December in order to avoid Christmas week. So that's coming sooner than you might think, and you can sign up today for that. Our choir and bells and a guest harpist will be having a Christmas concert December 13th. And you'll also see that there are a number of things out on the patio that are ways that you can participate in the ministries that are going on for people who are in need this Christmas, Camp Pendleton Marine Families. We have a giving tree also that you can take a tag and give a gift to someone in need and ways that you can participate in the homeless breakfast also. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let us pray together. Holy God, we invite you into our presence because you have first called out to us to come, to worship you, to bow before you. May this worship service, this Thanksgiving Sunday, become holy ground a moment of revelation from your word and at your table as we, your disciples, are transformed for the mission that you have given to your church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, His steadfast love endures forever. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a royal priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us stand and worship God together. Hail the man thy matchless King, church. Together. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns, all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee. And hail him as thy matchless King.
Amen. Let us be seated, church, as we continue in worship. God's word calls us to confession. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Will you join me in the unison prayer of confession in your bulletin? Jesus, who sat at the table with outcasts and sinners, we confess that too often our words and actions are not consistent with our beliefs. Often we ignore the needy, show indifference to the lonely, and reject those who seem different from us. Forgive us, we pray. Empower us to reach out in love and acceptance through your name. And so hear the silent confessions of our hearts. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, this is the message we have heard from God and proclaim to you. The God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we walk in the light, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen.
invite you to follow along as I read from Matthew 13, the very end of the chapter, verses 54 to 58 on your page 15 in the Pew Bible. This comes at the very end of a series of parables which Jesus told about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus came to his hometown and began to teach the people in their synagogue of Nazareth so that they were astounded and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these deeds of power? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all this? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except in their own country and in their own house. And he did not do many deeds of power there because of their unbelief. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a very moving story in the early parts of the Old Testament, the story of Jacob, who had been in this sibling rivalry with his brother Esau and had done everything he possibly could to cheat his brother and to rip him off. And Jacob was on the run, and Esau was in hot pursuit. Jacob was frightened anyway. What he did not know was that he was on holy ground, even in the midst of the competition in that family. So he arrived at a place called Luz. He went to sleep for the night, put his head on a rock, and he dreamed. And in this dream, he had a vision of a ladder set up between heaven and earth. with angels ascending and descending upon it. And Jacob was afraid. He heard the voice of God speak to him in this dream. Jacob, I will be with you, and I will keep you, and I will bring you back to this land. Jacob's response was, this must be the house of God. He was filled with holy fear. And he renamed that place Bethel, house of God. In some sense, that place became Jacob's homeland, Every one of us has a homeland, a place from which we come, a place, a holy place, in which we were encountered by the living God and experiences ourselves caught up into the mystery of the Holy One of Israel who became incarnate in Jesus of Nazareth and lived among us full of grace and truth. We may not even be aware that we are moving toward holy land, holy ground. Father Richard Rohr called it liminal space. A threshold space, if you will. A space and a time in our lives when we are on the verge of transformation and profound change in our lives because of an encounter with God coming. In a very deep sense, in a real sense, this is what worship is about. It means to be aware that you're in the presence of the holy God whose love is a bright shining fire and in those moments, those liminal moments of holy space, our lives are transformed and we change and perhaps we've been going one direction. Now we discover ourselves going another direction. May it be so for each one of us.
In my own personal story, I, I was on such a journey. And I was beginning to come to the end of myself at the second year at Texas Tech and in the dormitory as I was beginning to get serious about the Christian faith, I decided if I was going to be a Christian, I ought to read the New Testament. And so out of fear that others would see me, I got into my dormitory room each afternoon and read from Matthew through Revelation. And the amazing thing was that by the time I ended Revelation, I simply knew I was a Christian. It was one of those liminal moments in my life. I'll never forget that day of driving away at the end of my second year, driving from the tech campus back home in Amarillo, Texas, realizing that I was not going back to the university, that there was something going on in my life of a call to ministry. Returning home that summer, being caught up in a group of college students who saw it as their mission to go down to the streets of our hometown in Amarillo, Texas on Saturday evenings. 20 or 30 of us roll out the portable organ, sing as the servicemen came in from the air base, disembarked, and we witnessed to them, and they asked me to preach. It was a liminal time in my life. Years later, I read that the Communist Party radicalized and trained their converts by putting them out on the street to bear witness, to stand up for what they said they believed. That place on those Saturday evenings was the last place I thought I would ever be. But it was exhilarating and it was frightening. But the most painful thing about it for me was that my mom and dad came and watched from a block away. And they must have struggled with some of the questions that Jesus' family had. Where did this, our son, get this message? What's going on in his life? We've known him a long time. Isn't this the baker's boy? We've seen him washing the floor in the bakery and washing pots and pans and greasing them and rolling bread loaves. We've seen him frying donuts horsing around with the Boy Scouts, driving, dragging up and down the main street of the town, dating the local girls. What's got into him? Has he flipped his cookies? Has he gone mad? Maybe we ought to go and just bring him home to resume a, a normal life. Before the summer was over, I was on my way to Santa Barbara, California to finish up college at Westmont. What a transition. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven already. My hometown friends, my high school class, did not know I had become a Christian or had become a Presbyterian pastor. So when I returned to the 50th anniversary of my graduating class, it was quite an experience. One of the young ladies who was such a beautiful darling in high school came up to me and said, what has happened to you? You really look good. And I thought to myself, why didn't you say that to me 50 years ago? 
That could have changed my life's direction. Thank God she didn't. There were three of those preacher boys in that graduating class, as it turned out, and they asked us all to speak on that final morning of the reunion. And I gave my testimony about how it had been wonderful to grow up in Amarillo and to how much I cared about them. And I had gone away. I wanted to make clear I was not some raging Southern Baptist evangelist or something who was going to preach hellfire and damnation to them. And afterwards, somebody came up to me and said, thank you for not doing that. <laughs> We've had enough of that kind of Christianity. <laughs> thank you. You never know what response you're going to get from the hometown crowd, do you? You grow up in Laguna Beach and you become a Christian. And you're the most unlikely character to have become radicalized in following Jesus. And young people all over the world are being radicalized to follow something because our young people amongst the nations are searching for meaning and purpose and the modern world has left them empty. And they desperately need God in their lives. And so Jesus, after he was baptized by his cousin John in the Jordan River, and filled with the Holy Spirit, he began his public ministry, and he went back home to the area where they knew him well. And there he was teaching and preaching and casting out demons and proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, that Galilee had become holy ground, liminal space because God was on the move in their lives, in the person of Jesus and in his words. He and his disciples returned to Nazareth where he had grown up to the hometown synagogue, and there Jesus, Luke tells us, took the scroll from Isaiah 61, and he read this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring or to proclaim good news to the poor, release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of jubilee. And he put the scroll down and he said in the shortest sermon ever preached, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And the hometown crowd that knew him well began to whisper amongst themselves, isn't this Jesus, son of Joseph? Are not his brothers and sisters with us? He speaks well. He's got a charisma about him. Didn't he just say he was Israel's Messiah? And Jesus knew in that moment that the response was unbelief. They did not believe who he had said that he was, that the kingdom of heaven was present with him. And by the time Jesus was finished, preaching that day the hometown congregation was so filled with rage that they wanted to kill him homeland offense he'd seen the multitudes follow him he'd preached the sermon on the mount with authority and power they were in a desolate, beautiful place with no food to eat. He asked his disciples, how many loaves and fish do you have? Well, just a few here. We can hold them in our hands. He took them and blessed them, and, and he prayed over them. He gave them to the disciples to be distributed, and they distributed them. Stories in John 6. And 5,000 hungry people were fed that day, and there were 12 basketfuls of fish left over. Wow, who is this? And they sought him out. 
because they'd never seen a politician like this. If he could bring such abundance out of such scarcity, maybe he could keep them fed the rest of their days. Who was this? They said, give us some more bread. Show us signs that we could really believe in you. Perform miracles. Moses gave us the bread in the desert. You give us bread. And that famous I am saying, Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of this bread will never be hungry. Whoever eats this bread will never be thirsty. You must eat my body and drink my blood. If you want to enter into the fullness of life, you must welcome me, receive me into your hearts. And again, the crowd in Galilee said, isn't this old Joe and Mary's boy? Bread from heaven? We know where he was born. We know who his parents were. Bread from heaven? eating his body and drinking his blood. And John tells us in chapter 6 that the people, the disciples, they began to thin out. No, no longer did so many people follow him because the teaching was just too difficult. They were offended by what Jesus had to say. And he asked his disciples, are you also going to leave me? Are you too offended at who I am? And Peter's response is, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. This morning I want to suggest to you that we're on liminal space. We're in the presence of the living Christ, the word that became incarnate, the same one who broke the bread and fed the thousands. We're with the one who taught with such authority and power. We're with the one whose body and blood is symbolized at this table today in the bread and in the cup. And he invites us to come to this threshold moment in faith, not in unbelief, but in faith that we are in the presence of the holy God. And that he wants to fill and nurture and empower his church for its mission in the world. This is what we are about. Wherever the word is proclaimed and the sacraments are served, it is a true church. A church of Jesus Christ. A people of God joined together in fellowship and in service for the glory of God so that the whole earth may experience a threshold time and space because all of this planet and this cosmos and all of human history belongs to the God who has loved us and redeemed us in Jesus Christ and calls us to himself. May it be so this morning as he says to us, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. May we receive Jesus in faith and know that we're on a long journey into the fullness of his life. Thanks be to God. Join with me in our affirmation of faith as we stand together. The Apostles' Creed together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, rose again, he ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, 
and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as we receive our morning Thanksgiving offering. to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise together Let us pray. Father, God of love and life, with thankful hearts this morning, we acknowledge our lives to be a gift of your grace. You'd never fail to give us each day all that we ever need, and of course, even more. On this Thanksgiving Sunday, we give you thanks especially for our church, for the ways that we have been built up in our faith, provided with community and centeredness, taught and empowered by your word, held accountable to your truth but most of all, guided in the worship of your Son, Jesus Christ. We lift up the offering this morning and pray for your blessing upon it. It'll be used further to bless others, to lift up your kingdom in Laguna Beach and throughout the world. We ask this now, in Jesus' name, amen.
come in this holy moment, in this holy time and space, to come to the Lord's table, it was because His body was broken and His blood poured out that we are invited to come in response to His grace for us. We come with thanksgiving in our hearts for all of His wonderful blessings, for the life that He's given us. He said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Believe in me. Live into the fullness of life. Allow my presence and power to be that connecting link between heaven and earth. And so people have come from east and west and north and south and sat at table in his kingdom because they have known they've been invited and that this is the source of their life and of their power and strength by which to live. We come in His Spirit this morning and in response to His invitation, let us give thanks. We do give you thanks, eternal God, for at your word the earth was made and spun on its course among the planets. Your hand formed us in your image and set us among all your creatures to love and to serve you. You called Abraham and Sarah to follow you to the land of promise. You kept covenant with us and faithfully loved us in spite of our disobedience, welcoming us again and again into your loving embrace. Though we were set against your ways, in the fullness of time, you sent your son, Jesus. Born of Mary, he came to dwell amongst us, full of grace and truth. He cared for all, forgiving failures, healing hurts, and giving himself in utter sacrifice for those he loved. You raised him up, victor over death, name above all names, Lord over all, remembering your gracious acts in Jesus Christ, we take from your creation this bread and this cup and joyfully celebrate his dying and rising as we await the day of his coming when every knee shall bow and every tongue will acknowledge him as Lord. With thanksgiving, we offer our very selves to you to be a living and holy sacrifice dedicated to your service. So send now in kindness your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and cup, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be for us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Nurture us at this table, O Christ, until you come in final victory and we shall feast with all your people in the joy of your eternal realm. For we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body given for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. In like manner, after supper... After breaking the bread, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood. As often as you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In this moment, he welcomes us to himself, and he promises to be with us and to keep us and to bring us into the fullness of life. 
Our ushers will bring you a row at a time. We invite you to come, take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and commune together. Return to your seats and prayerfully await until all have been served. Let us worship the Lord. Would our elders please come?
Jesus is king, and he has blessed our lives in every way. Go forth with thanksgiving and deep gratitude for the goodness of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.